we weren't playing on, we hurt our feelings, and it's just not pleasant. We all experience things like that. How are we going to respond to those things? Let me give you a series of questions tonight. The first question is, you think about, am I thinking particularly for us as parents in our uh, uh, questions tonight? The first question tonight is, um, let's get this from verses 1 through 5. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of him and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as any children, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, is he the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child, receive it me. Up three there. I'm not sure what the disciples had in mind when they said, Jesus, who's the greatest? Not sure quite what they had. The word that comes to mind, we would think of it is pride. And pride is a sure way to, uh, to cause offenses. And pride is a sure way we hold on to offenses. Proverbs 13 10, only by pride comes attention. What did the disciples have in mind with this question? I'm not sure. Let's read a little bit about these men. Well, men, Apostle Peter. Peter was a rather bold man, right? And uh, he kind of was soon to be somewhere over here. Later on, he would even be able to walk on water. I mean, Peter, he thought he was the greatest. Uh, well, God was known to the disciples of Jesus Christ. What a way Jesus Christ. The disciples of Jesus Christ. He was the greatest. Uh, the other disciples we don't know a lot about. I think it's Matthew. One of their tax collectors. Maybe he could handle that better than anybody else. I don't know what they had in mind with this question. But Jesus. The, took the opportunity to have a teaching lesson with his disciples. And he grabbed the specific object of the little child that was close by, beckoned them to come perhaps, and he said, See this little child? You gotta be like this little child. They're never gonna get to heaven. You're never gonna understand what it means to find his shoes and your way to the kingdom. You're never gonna know what it means to find the way that I'm inviting you to, Jesus said, unless you become like this little child. What does he mean by that? He says, if you humble yourself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we're called to we're called to humility. Just as a little child really is not caring or selfish and all those things that we struggle with as adults, children struggle with too. But uh, typically they're not too concerned about position. A uh, little child, you're not necessarily looking for the greatest status and recognition as maybe some of us adults are more. Jesus says, become like that. Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 2 3, he said, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And then Paul goes on to explain what this looks like. He says, What this looks like, it looks like Jesus, who was equal, is equal with God. And he put set aside his heavenly robes and he came to earth and he was afflicted with pain and then he died for us. That's what it means to esteem yourself other better than yourself, Paul writes in the context of that verse. And so how are we doing with that? And am I humble? Am I willing to set aside the things that offend me and the roots of pride in my heart? Am I willing to consider others better than myself? That, that's a hard one for me. I was preaching at a church one time. And after it was over, his brother was shaking hands, and there was a brother at the back. He said to me, he said, that verse there, consider others better than yourself. He said, if we all do that, 
That's an extremely challenging verse. What we're talking about tonight in the context of the family. You know, we might say, what does it really matter if I want to pass this? What does it really matter if I don't do homework? Can I still be a, a good parent? Can I still shepherd my children? And the answer is, uh, is, is no. You know, a prideful heart struggles to connect well with others. And it's going to be the same with our spouse, with our children. We're really going to struggle to connect well. When there's pride in the heart, if we consider ourselves better than around us, it kind of short circuits the connection process. Uh, there needs to be humility in our heart if we want to connect deeply, emotionally well with others. First question was, am I hungry? Secondly, the next question is, is have I been offended? And we already said that we've all been offended at some point. And let's read on here. Jesus, in verse 6, he's still thinking about the context of little children. Because even as we read on down through verse 10, he's going to talk about little children, things, little ones he's referring to. But perhaps this child is still there. Jesus is beckoning to the child over there. But he goes on and continues the idea of, of what we can learn from little children and what we should think about. Seriously, he says, and this is some of his harshest words that he ever speaks. He says, whoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, though Maybe he's talking still of these little children. Maybe he's thinking of those who are young in the faith now, those which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. It must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense come. Wherefore thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet be cast in everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. And he that he despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven are angels, you always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus is continuing to talk to his disciples here, and he says, Stop worrying about who's the greatest. And start caring about the little people in your life. See these little ones here? Jesus is looking at this little child. And he says, be very, very careful how you respond to these little ones. And then some of his harshest words. If we offend some of these little ones, if we, if we respond to them in some way, which causes their hearts to grow cold towards God and to leave the faith and the kingdom, he says, it's a very serious thing. And we are called to take drastic action. We all have offenses, but then we, uh, we tend to internalize them. We've all had people say things to us and we thought, how, how can you say this? What do you mean by that? Where did that come from? And we begin to think about them. We internalize them. And we ponder them throughout our day. And we we start to live with this level of pain. And then, over time, what happens is, as we are trying to wrestle through that, um, you know, the little children begin to bear the brunt of that. The offended us becomes the offender. The victim, us, becomes the victimizer. The one who has taken pain becomes the pain giver. And typically, the ones where that happens, it's, it's the little ones among us. It's our children, right? The ones that are closest to us. And is that when we realize that the pain that we experience in our hearts is starting to spill out 
raised from high offensive raised to those little ones around us and said it's time to take drastic action. In fact, it's better if you were not even born. There was a millstone that hung around your neck and you were drowned in death for the peace that Jesus said, and no drastic action. He, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not advocating bodily mutilation. He's not expecting us to take him literally here and we chop our hands off. But he's using exaggeration to help us understand that, as was said many years ago, drastic times require drastic measures. When there's things in your life that are going well, we're not supposed to just come around through and act like we're okay and come to church and smile at everyone. We're supposed to stop what we're doing, hit the reset button, and take some drastic measures to say, you know what? The way I'm living is causing lots of problems. This is for the people around me that look to me for leadership, my children, and I need to change this. Jesus says in verse 10, Take heed that you describe these little ones. I tell you that in heaven, there are angels who always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. I don't know that there's many other verses about this, so I'm not quite sure. You know exactly what Jesus is, is referring to, but remember the day of Job, when the angel, the Son of God, said, they would present themselves before the Lord. There was some kind of heavenly council there. And it says Satan came also among them. Remember that? And there was kind of a meeting there. And I wonder if those types of meetings still happen. There are angels. Get the right there are angels. angels that are watching after our children. They have to still meet occasionally with God. And God says, now how's their family doing? How's their family doing? And the angel needs to give an account for these children. Saying, well, it's all they go. It's for peace and joy and they have shortcomings, but they're quick to apologize, and they're, they're uh, you know, they're, they're humble with each other, and they're seeking you, and by your grace, they're doing the best they can. More uh, angels ever need to report something. And the sooner we get help, the better. Years ago, uh, in next school, I had a German and the come out, and some of you may have done this. My job is flats after the eggs. The machines put them on the flats and then uh, they come up the belt and they stack up the flats and, and uh, put them in the floor. Not only was it my job to stack up those flats, but also to watch out what was happening because occasionally, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes like, uh, the machine wouldn't advance and so they were trying to put eggs on the top of eggs or for some reason it didn't feed a flat egg. And uh, the machine didn't recognize it. And the sooner things were going wrong, the sooner that you better stop and take care of it, or pretty soon there'd be You know, we're working with children, right? And children are really fragile. Now, in other ways, they're very resilient. We know that as well. But you know, uh, they're picking up many, many things. And what messages are we sending to them? And when we realize that the messages that we're sending to them are not the good news of the kingdom of God, it's time to stop and hit the reset button. The longer we wait, the bigger mess. Whatever is in my heart is going to transfer to those closest to me. I keep one of my brain in the classroom. One of the things that I'm experiencing joy in my classroom, the physical sermon that one of the first Or do they find out like, you know, my own business? Or am I just all fun? And anything goes, and then we're not learning much. What do I bring? What, what is in our hearts transfers out. And there are some days that I don't feel like teaching, some days I'm not very passionate about the lesson, and I don't seem to pay attention as well sometimes. And 
realize, you know what, this is a lesson I'm not going to cash for that. I wonder they're not here. Sometimes people feel there's in their joy people, right? And they're playing their trumps and they're playing their games. They have a swap with their little children. And then she comes to quit children and they're children playing. And there's more little children coming in the room, right? And they grab children's toys and they throw them in the room and they're in the course. So what are we transferring to those around us? When I walk into the room, what do I bring? Apostle Paul says in First Timothy chapter three, verses eight and nine, he says that I he says I will remember lifting up holy hands without wrath. Now I like the posture that that is uh, symbolized there. We should pray lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know, brothers, is that the posture by which we live our lives? Uh, I think that's uh, if you want to make Jesus cares immensely 
about the sheep that have gone astray. He cares about injustices. He cares about the lost sheep. And if I live his case, and I live his pride, and I to the kind correction, may not always seem so kind, of the brotherhood and of the circumstances God is bringing in my life, I'm fighting against God. And there's no way that I can actively be his agent caring for others. Why would a shepherd, why would a shepherd go looking for a lost sheep? Because he loves us. And we are, we are called to model that. At the end of the day, if he's not receiving the law for a thousand days, he doesn't need to be the end of the day. But we're called to be uh, the agent of Jesus Christ to go pursue our children, pursue your spouse. What's wrong? Is there something wrong here? But if we are so focused internally on our own issues, we're going to miss what's happening around us. The tape that's playing in my mind has so much stuff going on that I'm missing what's happening right in front of me and the care that's needed. These little sheep that are going astray right in front of Our children are going to be connected to someone or something. And it's God's design that they be connected to us as parents. And as you're older, you know, how to live, grow up, they get on the phone, they find a connection. But their connection with us as parents prepares us to be, them to be helpfully connected with others and ultimately with the Lord. How are we doing? Are we invitational just as Jesus is? Are we pursuing just as Jesus is? Or are we driving people away from Jesus said, Take heed. Take heed that you despise not what we Children are not an inconvenience to your life. Children are our life mission. Children are what God has called us to if God has granted you. We are heritage of the Lord. Am I still focused? Am I not? Question number four, do I want to reconcile with the Lord? No, it would take probably a long time to unpack how to reconcile with some people who have hurt us. Sometimes the offenses are really, really deep. But a good way to start is do I want to reconcile with the Lord? There's a process here. Let's just read 15 to 20. And this is a familiar process to us, I'm sure. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained that brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he shall neglect to hear thee, tell him unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be only as an even man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall wear on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus gives us a very practical, straightforward process by which we can seek to resolve Now, I understand sometimes the offenses happened many years ago. Sometimes the person is no longer living. Sometimes the person has no desire reconcile. Sometimes the person doesn't think they did anything wrong. And you get the idea. It can turn out to be very complex. But it's um, it's a process which starts with the humility in our own hearts. It's a process that starts with us wanting to know this Jesus who can heal us from the inside. It's a process with us trying to, to, to uh, think of ourselves as others better than ourselves. Do we, do I really want healing? Do I really want healing? Where my brother alone. And then if you won't listen, I'll take one or two more. 
now bring it to the server. And then it needs to go past that to excommunication. So I really don't want to go out there. It's not possible. You know, we can say, I can take my wall down as well as my brother and sister wants to take their wall down. And what are we going to do? What if this is a situation which can't seem to find you a wall? And the people in my life don't seem to understand. Oh, it's so private and so we're not going to bring it to the church. There's many such scenarios we can get into. What do I do? Well, number one, come to Jesus. Isaiah 61. We have to come to Jesus. We have to open our hearts to Him. John 8 32, Jesus says, the verse I trust we all should have memorized. Jesus said, You should know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Truth is becoming a very hard uh, not commodity. The truth is becoming something that's hard to come by. And uh, and we dare not be that way in the truth. The truth sets us free. My mercy and truth and equity is first. It's true that at times truth has been um, used without mercy, it's been used without love, and people have become afraid of the truth. They don't want the truth. But truth, when it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and from his word, when it comes from a heart of love, a brother or sister. Truth is always our friend. Hold on to truth. And that's why I see people who are really here and have to grab the truth. I watch it happen far too often. And I'm sure you've watched it too. Running from truth. Running from people that want it. Never ends. Jesus brings people into our life to try to parent us, to try to bless us. And we need to slowly, by the grace of God, Open our words to people that care. Some wives have, some wives have a very loving husband. Some husbands have a very loving wife. After years of living together in marriage, they still can't find it in their hearts. There's so many things going on in marriage. There's so much pain, there's so much fear. Fear is always behind it. Fear is a powerful movement, fear is always behind it. But John says, there's no fear in love. Open your heart. And tell the truth. It hurts people that we must learn to tell the truth. This is what happens. Jesus, please keep me painful areas of my heart. You don't need to stand up front and tell the church the truth, but there has to be someone in your life. You have to start with the Lord, you have to be someone that you can begin slowly to crack that door open. Tell the truth. Come to Jesus. Tell the truth. Another thing that I think is so important some things that I can think about. In, in the context of uh, some of the situations lately. And that is, uh, next thing is, stop being the victim. Stop being the victim. And uh, depending on what you've experienced, you've been a victim. And uh, there's many different scenarios. If someone says, in, in, a, in a simple scenario, if somebody says something unkind to you, and it's not just, it's not justified, and it's just a murderous, they're a victim. So we need to stop the victim. I was dealing over the last year, uh, uh, laying upon my heart some sermons about self-pity. And I was thinking about self-pity. began to see that in my own life. I began to see that there's very little room in the scriptures for self-pity. Because Jesus offers us freedom from the victim mentality. We can change by the power of his spirit. We can change because of the grace that he gives us. He be the victim. I'm the victim. For me. That really short circuit the healing process. If I become a victim, you know, there's only one person here tonight who is going to raise your hand after that. Who 
Such spiritual veneer on, you know. Oh, you know, the other, the other dads in the youth group. I don't know what they're doing because my children uh, would never treat someone like that. The way they treated my children, you know, those dads. Well, you know, the way they treated my children, my children would never act like that. My children watch their TV, you know. Let's be careful with that idea that I have a part of anyone else. Why, why does that feel good? Why does that feel good to be like King Ahab sit before and say, What's for me? Well, this idea we'll talk more about tomorrow night when we talk about exaggerating the culture in my home. But this idea of men being passive over there back in Adam, and it's a real problem. And why, why men are we tempted to do that? Well, it kind of, yeah, if we're, if we're 
It kind of kicks the women in our life in gear. Oh, really? Okay, well, can I make you a cup of coffee? What can I do? We're great for Ahab. And yet that's not what God's calling us as men to do. And so why do we like to be the victim? Well, sometimes it kind of gets us a little more attention, gets us a little more care. But it doesn't help us be good parents. It doesn't help us be good leaders. It doesn't help us to show uh, Jesus to the people in our lives. I'd like to read you a little poem. I had a brother this past winter, an Amish man from Missouri. And uh, this saw him a couple days. We were in Florida and met him. And uh, I was so blessed. Uh, he's, he's a single man. Uh, he was married. His wife passed away. And... Um, to be a very humble man, and I don't know if you want his name shared or not, but uh, so I'm just going to read a poem to you that he wrote. And this poem, he just he says it so well, and uh, it's two, but it's two columns, and the first column is going to talk about victim mentality, and he's going to switch gears, and I think you'll hear it. Um, I think you'll you'll hear it, you'll understand this. And he's going to mention at the beginning of this poem, he's going to mention some. Heart-wrenching things, which are not just theoretical, but they're things that he actually experienced. Um, in the first couple stanzas here. Here's what he says. So the poem is, Have you ever? Have you ever stood with your siblings and cried and cried? On the morning after your mother had committed suicide. Have you ever held your partner as they took their last breath, then watched them close their eyes and have you ever fully trusted someone only to be betrayed, or suffered deep heartaches from children who have strayed? Have you ever had your heart simply broken in two by the one who promised to always love you? Have you ever had sadness to be your only expression as you sank down deep in the pit of depression? Have you ever felt the problem for greater than God and wrote ahead that you looked impossible to God? Have you ever experienced so much emotional pain? You understood the vanity of all earthly gain. Have you ever estimated the cost of six high full, with the whole world worth less than even one soul? Have you ever had someone become impatient with you and then lose their temper? Have you ever seen someone deny the real facts in an effort to cover up their own sinful acts? Have you ever been criticized and falsely accused or asked to be forgiven or refused? Have you ever been so long you wish to die? And I know who talked to you or heard you cry. And he switched a little bit. He said, pain. Have you ever tried to read the sin you've always been? Or read the bitter heart of your son of sin? Have a stranger give you a holy Bible and you knew God wanted you to become his disciple? Have you ever thanked God for all of your trials and this journey to your heart for so many miles? Have you ever realized that a good place to start to make your life better? Is your very own heart. Have you ever confessed your own sins and wept bitterly for all the times you should have done differently? Have you ever accepted the best thing you can do is to forgive everyone who has ever sinned against you? Have you ever studied how Christ defeated temptation and did not try to protect his own reputation? Have you ever wondered how Christ could be so meek that when he struck, he turned the other cheek? Have you ever let, let the mind of Christ be in you and follow his example in all you say and do? Have you ever been able to take a huge loss and gladly accept it as bearing your own cross? Have you ever loved God with all your heart and mind and also loved the ones who have been so unkind? Have you ever imagined how beautiful heaven will be if we overcome sin and gain 
in general new community. You can't go from the first part of the poem to the second part of the poem without as the how to go from one side to the other. How do you get over that comfort from being when someone has hurt you so badly? A comfort place that's a belly to be. So we commend you to Jesus this evening and to his grace and to his good news. It's really good news. Other than that, there are many things perhaps you can do as weary. You didn't know the answer. Briefly yet, Jesus is going to tell a parable about forgiveness. You know, that's a huge topic. This uh, evening, entire sermon, perhaps, a few on forgiveness, but forgiveness cures many problems. Forgiveness does not say, okay, it's okay, everything's fine. Forgiveness does not say that. But forgiveness is releasing the offense to God. Wow, God is there to help us with Dropping a rock that I carry, I want to throw back. There was a uh, quote from T.S. Lewis, I think. Everybody thinks, I think, like, I think we'll be exactly there. Everybody thinks forgiveness is such a good idea until they have something to forgive. And uh, somebody had printed out a poster at school and a picture of a man pulling a rock, dropping a rock. It's hard to do. I just want to hold on to that rock. Eat Forgiveness is hard through the grace of Jesus Christ. It can be a journey. It is a journey. We can forgive repeatedly again and again when those offenses come back to mind. Finally, the last question I want to leave with you this evening is Am I going to The apostle, excuse me, not the apostle, the psalmist David realized that. What God really wants, the sacrifices God is looking for, is a broken and a contrite heart. A broken and a contrite heart of God, thou wilt not despise. God received many, many, many thousands of sacrifices in the Old Testament. But David said what God really wants is a broken and a contrite heart. We are pretty good at offering God sacrifices. We already did some this evening. We came and offered the sacrifice of praise. We sang songs. And uh, we're sacrificing something else tonight by being here. And so we're pretty good, actually, at other sacrifices. We'll probably have the opportunity at the end of the week, or week or Sunday, to uh, put some money in the offering basket, perhaps, or everything to do that here. You know, so we offer sacrifices, but the sacrifice God really wants, according to what David said, the man who is a man of God's own heart. He's really looking for our hearts to be broken, contrite before him. You can have a horse that's not broken, and then it's broken. It's just as strong as it ever was. But before it's broken, it's dangerous. After it's broken, it's useful. That's how it is with people. Unbroken people are dangerous. Unbroken people will split the nations. Unbroken people will drive children away from the Lord. But broken people are useful. They will representatives in the hands of God. And they'll bring healing to churches. They'll bring healing to families. It's our choice. Broken or unbroken. What do we want to be? David says God's looking for contract hearts. Contrite heart, a contrite heart is a heart where the walls have come down. The walls have come down. You've all tried to, maybe for a crap, I hope not all of you, but perhaps some of you have tried to reconcile with someone that falls away by and it's just impossible. I, I have talked with people trying to resolve offenses and they're almost illogical in the way that they're responding. There's such a stubbornness there and such a desire to 
And there's there's such a pain in their hearts. God's looking for broken and contrite hearts. What will it be? What will it be for us? Jesus said, Matthew 21, 44, whoever shall fall on this stone, speaking of himself, the stone which the builders rejected, the same and whosoever shall fall this stone shall be broken. Well, whosoever shall fall, they will grind it to powder. We have a choice. We have a choice of Jesus and start a passion new with him, or and how someday have this stone Jesus fall on us and If I'm not at peace with God, if I'm living with the idea of who is the greatest, I think I'm the greatest. If I'm living with offenses and I'm living looking out for me, I'm going to be someone who creates Now, some people are very quick to be offended. Why are some people so quick to be offended? Why do some people seem to have so much drama surrounding their life? You know, well, uh, have you ever gone swimming? And uh, I have not enjoyed swimming. I, I, I learned to do swimming a little more than the children like it. And, uh, so, but I, I never was a very good swimmer. But I can get pretty um, anxious in water very quickly, you know, because I just don't want to go swimming. And, you know, if you have water about up to here, you know, you can't do too much. Right. You know, some people have so much going on inside their hearts that uh, uh, inside their lives, it's like the water is about right here. You know, any little thing just kind of pushes them under the it's got a struggle. And so, when you see that happening to you or to people around you, uh, don't push them under the water. Don't put them on the water. Don't put them on the water. When you see that happening, somebody's laughing out, and we say, Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
And so that doesn't need to be us. The invitation is clear. The good news is clear. Jesus has come to preach the good news of the kingdom. And I trust, I trust, I hope, I pray, that we are those who are here tonight. The gospel has impacted our lives. And it is changing us. And it is changing our homes. And it is changing our churches. And I trust it's changing our communities. Thank you for your kind attention. Tomorrow evening, Lord willing, we want to look at the book of Amos. And I uh, want to look at what is the culture in my home? What was the culture in my home? At this time, uh, turn the time over, uh, back over to uh,